Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and skillies. Yep. I'm your host, Led Melanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Math Machine, Striker, and Lucky Eevee. Yep. Today is our 17th episode, and we're discussing 1993's The Pink Panther episode, Muff the Magic Dragon. So, let's get things started. Yep. Yep. So, The Pink Panther started off as a character in the opening credits of the movie as the same name. Now, a lot of movies in the 1960s, it was kind of a trend for them to start with basically animated opening credits. Even like at one point, B-movies were actually managing to hire animation studios to do the animation for their credits. But Pink Panther, I think, is the one that really took off and is really the one that everyone remembers. I, now, strangely enough, uh, brief tangent, but uh, a movie from the early 90s that had freaking Antonio Banderas uh, did the same thing. It wasn't exactly from the 60s, but it's still something that uh, shows that the trend is still alive to this day, surprisingly. Oh, no, it definitely, it definitely is. You have stuff like uh, Steven Spielberg's Cast Me If You Can that has a, a fantastic animated opening that definitely calls back to it. You the have stuff like from, uh, uh, yeah, the Deadpool, from, which uh, does it with the credits, but it's a similar detail. Oh yeah, and yeah, like I say, uh, so the Pink Panther, you know, of course, he he was tongue to it. Sorry, the Pink Panther was successful enough to where he had a series of shorts in like the sixties and seventies, and that, and they did pretty good. They were done by uh, Deprat. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. Deprat's uh, feeling, I think, and they were a really, really good, uh, you know, animated team. They you know formerly were with uh, Warner Brothers and Looney Tunes, that Termite Terrace, and they did a fantastic job. Now to go on a brief uh, tangent. Yeah, actually, actually, speaking of breach tangents, did the movie come before the cartoons? Movie came before the cartoon, yeah. Well, damn, that is a very interesting surprise. Now your tangent. Yeah, now to go on a little brief tangent about the movies. Probably the best Pink Panther movie is actually the second one, A Shot in the Dark. And it's ironic because that's the only uh, Pink Panther movie that has nothing to do with the Pink Panther itself at all. Like, the character doesn't show up in the opening credits, although Inspector Clouseau does. They don't even mm. play the theme song, but it is the best movie. And it's probably the only one with an actual cohesive plot and story. And, like I say, with the uh, Pink Panther movies, we'll talk a little bit more about them later on, the later ones. But Peter Sellers uh, was one of those uh, actors. He was a genius. He was, you know, an absolute, you know, comedic, you know, masterpiece in that. He was also pretty insane. I don't know if you've seen the uh, biopic called The uh, Life and Times of Peter Sellers. There's a part in it where he's filming Dr. Strangelove and his mother comes to the set and he literally cannot get out of character just to greet her hello. He's still acting like, you know, Dr. Strangelove, you know, the... You know, the whole with the Nazis and, you know, trying to strangle himself with his own hand and things like that. And she just looks so, like, horrified at this. And <laughs> it's a shame because he really was such a comedic genius, but he was also a very, sadly, uh, messed up man. Yeah, but anyway, devoted, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But anyway, getting back to this. Uh, yep. Yeah, so the Pink Panther shorts were pretty successful, you know, in the 60s and 70s. They went away for a little while, like everything does. Then in the early 90s, it was revived for a TV show simply called The Pink Panther. And oh. they did one very big change with the show. They did a couple of ones, like, you know, they added some more reoccurring characters, and, you know, some uh, different kinds of plot lines. That The biggest change and the most notable change to the uh, series 
was that the Panther was given a voice. Yeah. Now, he it, talked a couple of times in the original shorts that those are like uh, one-off gags. This was, you know, a voice for the entire series. And, okay, I will defend the voice a little bit. It has charm. It certainly, uh, uh, the person who plays the Pink Panther, they certainly knows how to, like, uh, do accents and whatnot, which is very much interesting, but, yeah, it's very weird. The whole, the This Pink Panther basically has the Charlie... Pink Panther, to me, basically has the Charlie Chaplin effect. He sounds better silent, or rather, he does better silent than actually speaking. Not to say his speaking roles are bad. Far from it, honestly. I, I rewatched it, and I ultimately exactly, exactly. got the sense that he, the person who was doing it was actually trying, but yeah, I feel it would have been a little better if it was... I feel like uh, keeping it silent for like the later stuff, like the 2010 stuff, certainly helped a lot more. Exactly, exactly. Uh, his voice actor here was uh, Matt Frewer. He's probably best known for playing the uh, character Max Headroom in the 80s. He was also uh, Pain in Hercules and nice. on Star Trek The Next Generation, a bunch of credits. You probably have heard him sometime in your life. And he is a very good voice actor, but my opinion, and he has a good voice, and he's doing the best he can with the thing, and he does kind of fit, but like you said, it really doesn't work for me because, again... The Pink Panther is a character that works best when, you know, he's silent or like he's Chaplin-esque. That even if he was to speak, he should do it like almost very, very minimally. To have <laughs> him with this kind of personality, it really doesn't feel like it's connected to the like original shorts in any way. And I granted, yeah. they're trying to do their own thing. And, you know, in some way I respect that. But on another hand, it really is almost nothing like, you know, what the original short films basically were. This was them trying to do their own thing. Now, with yeah. that in mind, this was a very cute episode. I really, really enjoyed this. Hmm. They also, uh, a quick tangent, they also gave voice to another character, the uh, little man who basically appears in most of the shorts as you know, an antagonist. He's hmm. voiced by Wallace Shawn in this, who, of course, wrecks some Toy Story and, mm -hmm. you know, the Princess Bride and everything. If you've seen something in the last 40 years, you have seen something with Wallace Shawn in it. And if Matt Frewer was like a miscast, Wallace Shawn is perfectly cast. He is the perfect voice for that kind of character, and th they got that spot on. I will say that much. Yeah, I yeah. Wallace Shawn certainly worked for the little guy for the most part. I mean, exactly. It's very. I mean, I will say this: like for for Matt Frewer being the Pink Panther, it honestly could have been a whole lot worse. And oh no, the times it definitely could have. And the times that he does like uh, do and like. This short in particular, like the times that he does uh, do like the whole uh, geeky spiel, it sort certainly does work. I can't I can't say it works perfectly, but it does to an extent work. Exactly, exactly right. So, yeah, um, basically the short opens up with like a storybook opening and narrator. Funny that we're doing uh, two uh, media pieces in a row that opens like this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it starts off uh, with a very cute little comedic thing with, you know, the Panther being a wizard to a king and, you know, turning the hockey, turning the uh, basically broomsticks into hockey players is a, is a cute little joke, you know. Now, the interesting thing about this is the character designs are kind of all over the place. Because you got, you know, the Panther and the little man who look pretty much identical to they are, you know, 60s versions, maybe a little bit more stylized, but they, yeah. they look, you know, perfectly fine. You have the uh, other knights who look more like uh, almost Warner Brother characters. And then you have the human form of, you know, the princess, Princess Muffy, who, who honestly looks a little bit like a Johnny Bravo character. 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, the knight in the short does do a brief little Johnny Bravo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, oh I don't goodness, know if it was uh, <laughs> Jeff Bennett hey, voicing him. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a great show. I wish we could discuss this on it, but we'll have to see about that. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. The interesting thing is that, like I said, like I said earlier, the basically uh, whole setting of the short and the tone of the short is not like you know the original uh, ones. That doesn't mean that it's bad though. It is you know pretty funny and it is uh, pretty well done. The animation, for the most part, is actually pretty decent. Although I did notice a couple of glaring errors. Like there's one part where you know the knights walk past the panther and they're talking and their lips aren't even moving. It's like. That's something that, you know, is kind of surprising that they got away with that, especially for a, you know, pretty decently budgeted show. I can, you know. Uh, I could, I can see what you mean. It's not a huge attractor, yeah. but it, it is, is something, something that, that you, you know, you notice it. It's like, oh, how they, you know, did no one at the studio notice that? It's not as bad as anything like, you know, from Deke Entertainment or, you know, anything like that. But it is. <laughs> no, no. Deke. You know what you are. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, it's nothing like, for example, the countless errors of like the Super Mario Brothers Super Show or any of its sequels. But yeah, so this uh, basically uh, short is funny. It has some cute gags. I like the brief cameo of, you know, the uh, anteater and that. That was funny. And a little brief tangent on those shorts. And it's actually way funnier if you watch it in German because they made one change from the English dub to the German dub. They made oh. the anteater a woman. And she, they, they seriously, no, they actually made the character a woman and they gave it a woman's voice and everything. It's the same voice actress who apparently played the Queen of Hearts and Miss Piggy. So she has that kind of voice. And oh, damn. You know, it's actually way funnier. It's just how her delivery of the lines alone are just so like over the top and exaggerated. It actually is way, way funnier. You don't even have to really know German to watch it. Just definitely look it up. It, it really, really... Yeah, it, it, they're great, and that's probably one of the yeah. best dubs that I've seen of anything. But getting I'll back bet. to this, uh, yeah, the sequence with the knights are a little bit more like the Looney Tunes and the way it's done. And again, the interesting thing is that the panther in this, he's kind of more like a Bugs Bunny trickster compared to, you know, again, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to keep comparing, you know, apples to oranges, but in the original, he's more of like a, an everyman type. You know, he was, he reacted to things. He wasn't really, you know, the cause of things, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that makes uh, sense. I see. Yeah, the the OG Pink Panther was sort of the the rule of cool straight man who just had stuff happen to him. Uh, this Pink Panther seems to be more of an instigator kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. he seems it's more exactly like. What I was uh, at. Yeah, he seems like a little. He seems like a little geek. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, but like idiot. I said, there I were a lot of cute gags. Like, for example, the part with the uh, wind-up little toy dragon fooling the knights was good. Some mm -hmm. of, you know, the uh, little references were very well done. And now it is time for us to get to the main attraction of the episode, the dragoness uh, Muffy. So basically, the setup for this is that the panther is the court wizard, and he's sent by, you know, the little man who here is the king, and he basically has to uh, cure... The princess of her cold, basically. And he tries that with all kinds of different spells. None of them work. And one of them turns her into a dragoness. Now, the sequence here, it's interesting. It's almost the <clears throat> exact opposite of Ludmilla's from Bartok the Magnificent. And then it starts with the head and it goes down to the body. Unlike that, this is more instantaneous because, granted, they only had nine minutes for the episode. With That's that being fair. said, she definitely has a fun design as a dragoness. She is... 
uh, kind of unique in that regard in that the you know the head shape and the snout is kind of curved differently than what you would see in most dragonesses the little i don't know are they were they like a little antennae at the top of her head i don't know what purpose they serve but they were also a pretty cute little detail and of course they made her very rotund let's say that much very yeah. uh, bottom heavy with rotund, the shape which yes. exactly exactly like right yeah, bottom heavy, which definitely they helped out with the really uh, character design. In a way, you know, kind of like the, uh, you know, basically Disney dragonesses are almost bluth in a way. And of course, their oh, voices yeah. deepen from the transformation, which is always a nice touch. And yeah, of course, the first thing she does after transforming is going on a rampage, which kind of happens a lot, it seems, with the dragoness transformations and other references are like with Ludmilla and several others. Let's be fair, though. I mean, if you had a fucking sneezy fit and pretty much uh, got turned into a freaking dragon immediately after because you thought it would, uh, uh, because like your wizard was uh, thought it it like had the wrong spell and whatnot, you'd be a little miffed too. Let's be fair. Oh no, no, definitely, definitely, exactly, exactly. But yeah, like I said, uh, one aspect of her that I do like that is pretty cute, and it's never commented on. No one ever comments on it, but it's really cute, is like the almost miniature, almost like, you know, vestigial wings on her. In a way, it's not like Narissa's, where, you know, it's trying to look imposing. Uh, her appearance is more comical, but yet mm -hmm. it is something that is cute, and it's almost kind of comical, and they never draw attention to that, which is an interesting uh, part of it, basically. But yeah, yeah, like I said, uh, her voice and her design uh, definitely make this probably one of the better parts of the episode. Uh, Muffy herself is one of the better parts of it. One interesting thing is that when she like roars and you know, makes dragonous noises, it seems like it's electronically pitched lower. Now, it, yeah. I don't know if it's, you know, Frank Welker or not, because, again, looked in the credits, you know, couldn't find any. You know, I looked on like IMDb and, you know, couldn't find any, you know, mm. sign of him being it. So this is the second episode of a row where we don't know if Frank Welker did the voice of a dragonist or not. And it's also the second episode in a row that has like these little storybook transitions. And one that I really liked was kind of the one that almost went to the, I guess you could say, commercial break for the episode where it actually switched back to them with like storybook like designs. That was something that was really neat. And to be honest, I wouldn't mind if the whole episode had like these uh, almost like etching designs because it definitely would have been something to make this uh, episode, really this show, stand out from some of the other ones that are being made at the time. Yep. That certainly does sound very uh, like a very natural thing. Yeah, as we said earlier, uh, the Panther here is more of an instigator than a you know suave, cool character. And... Nowhere is this scene more than the part where he is basically taunting the knight. It almost is, and again, I compared him to Bugs Bunny earlier, this part is very much Looney Tunes-esque in the way that he basically reacts to the knight, how he basically makes him a fool and things like that. It, it really does feel like, you know, they took an inspiration from that, and it, it's done pretty all right. You know, it's done not as good, of course, as, you know, the classic Warner Brothers stuff. But for what it is, for like a show in 1993, it's pretty decent stuff. Mm, that I, is I get very turning true. the Panther into Bugs Bunny effectively. It's just that they are two completely different characters that each serve their own purpose. Exactly, exactly. It's yeah. like, you know, if it ain't if it ain't uh, broken, why fix it? That kind of thing. If it ain't broken, yeah, don't fix it. Exactly, exactly. It's like, you know, they could have easily probably done this episode with the original characterization of the Panther and not have him talk. Although then again, you'd have to find a way to tell the story visually, though I'm sure you probably could. 
Yeah, probably yeah, could, uh, yes. Yeah. But yeah, uh Muffy's facial expressions are really well done. The part where he like, you know, traps her in a giant phone booth is very much Bugs Bunny esque. Yeah. And basically the part with the door appearing out of nowhere, the first thing I thought up of, because again, I'm probably, you know, a huge Nintendo geek. First thing I thought up of was, oh, she's going to subcon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, like I said, the uh, sequence in the uh, boxing ring, again, is something very Looney Tunes-esque, which really begs the question, was this script meant for like a you know revival of like say the looney tunes like you know so that they were putting on tv at the time but then that show got scratched and they were like and eh, let's use it for this character but even though i say that the sequence with the boxing ring and with like you know their various facial expressions this does have pretty decent animation all things considered especially for what was this 1993 where you know you had a lot of uh, other companies that are putting out a lot worse stuff so visually this looks good and the story is really good too. I have to admit, uh, hmm. probably the best part for me, I don't know about you guys, was the last few minutes of the episode with, you know, the knight actually still being in, in love with Muffy despite, you know, her gigantic dragon is form and that. And like you said, he does do a little bit of Johnny Bravo, which makes me wonder if it was Jeff Bennett voicing him. Again, couldn't find him in the credits. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, and of course you have, you know, the little man, you know, gives her away basically in that, and he makes a pretty good joke about. You know, you should have seen how much he can eat in that. And, then, you know, he, he's always good. You know, Wallace Shawn puts in a good performance. And the animation mm. of him, too, as the Little King is also well done. But then we come to the uh, twist ending, which is probably the most fun part of the show and of the episode. And that, you know, the Panther, you know, in all this chaos, never solved the problem. And he tries to solve it. But, of course, Muffy accidentally sneezes and the entire kingdom is turned into dragons. Which, Which yeah. gets up is very, you know, classic fairy tales. But then there's another twist at the end of the episode. It's like, you know, a double, you know, twist ending kind of thing. And that was, you know, a father dragon basically telling his daughter, you know, a fairy tale story of, you know, why people are dragons now. Which, again, is something that only comes up in like the last, you know, 10 seconds. But it's a concept that really kind of puts the whole episode on its head in a way. Yeah. It's I like... like that. I did not expect that going. And that was very. Almost a sharp, clever writing for a show that, in a time period that really you would not expect that from. Yeah, that is very much. Yeah, that was very surprising, even for me. It was well, it's also kind of adorable in a way. Oh, no, yeah, this is a very, adorable. very wholesome ep- ending, especially for this kind of show, because I watched several other episodes just as research. And this, far and away, is the best one. This has, like, a cohesive story. It actually has, like, an ending that, you know, pretty much wraps everything up in a bow. It doesn't feel rushed, whereas the other ones kind of do. Or the other ones go all over the place with their plot lines or with the characterization and that. It but despite that... genuine. That, that this, was, this felt genuine. Some of the other episodes felt like they were just being rushed out to, you know, fill a, you know, we got to fill like a 56 episode oh, quota. Okay, you know, let's do this and this and this and this. And they do bring back the older characters. They bring back like, you know, the, the <laughs> Anteater and the Ant. They bring back Inspector Clouseau. But they also have a bunch of new characters like these uh, mobster dogs and this like, you know, witch doctor. And none of them really click together. It feels like you could tell what came from the original shorts in the 60s. And what came from like the 90s, you know, executives, it really you can really feel like the difference between them. Yeah. 
Now, the all last being said, minutes of this, uh, it, it was really funny because the only thing that kept going through my head during those last couple of minutes was, how was this made specifically for this podcast? It, it does. It, it feels exactly like it. It's like they went back in time and they knew that a podcast about, you know, Dragnesses and, you know, female dinosaurs, scalies and all that were going to be made. So they made this specifically <laughs> for us. That's so weird. And I actually remember watching this show because they aired... It a very long time ago on Cartoon Network, a very long time ago. This is like uh, God, 20, 21 years ago already, something like that. But I do remember seeing that. And I remember seeing this episode and thinking nothing of it. And, you know, now when you go back and watch it, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Do they really do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, this show as a whole, it is it has its moments. I mean, it's not totally terrible. It's not stuff like, you know. Some of the other, you know, remakes like Hanna-Barbera's Popeye and Son, which is just awful, awful in every way. Don't watch. If you can take one thing away from this episode, do not watch the Hanna-Barbera Popeye and Son cartoon. It is horrible. Watch, oh. you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, what happened is, though, is that uh, by this time with the Pink Panther franchise, they were really trying to basically milk every last drop of it. Not so much with this show, although I'm pretty sure this show is made to coincide with it. They were st- because Peter Sellers, getting back to the movies here, a little bit of a you know tangent again, back to the mm-hmm. original Pink Panther films. Peter Sellers hated Blake Edwards so much he wrote his own script for a Pink Panther movie. So what what happened? Blake Edwards was going to make one, and then Peter Sellers was going to make one. It was kind of like what happened with you know Octopussy and Never Say Never Again. Basically, you know, when they had the two James Bond films fight against each other in the box office, they were going to do that with the Pink Panther. That one was going to have, you know, all the characters from the Pink Panther franchise, minus Clouseau, and one was going to have Clouseau without any of the other characters. No Inspector Dreyfus, no Cato, no... Okay, what was his partner's name? Hercule, I think. None of those guys. But what happened is Peter Sellers died in 1980. So Blake Edwards managed to make, I think, three Pink Panther movies. No... Three or four? Um, mm. th- three. Three Pink Panther movies without Peter Sellers. They were still making them in 1992, and Peter Sellers had been dead for 12 years. So they made three Pink Panther movies with no Clouseau. The first one just basically was a bunch of outtakes and deleted scenes stitched together with a framing device of a reporter looking for Inspector Clouseau. The second of the uh, Clouseau-less Pink Panthers basically had... Uh, an American detective and was trying to be more like Police Academy than Pink Panther. And the third one starred uh, Roberto Benigni as Inspector Clouseau's illegitimate Italian son. And <laughs> none of them are very good. And I do not recommend any of them because they kind of got pathetic near the end. And it's a shame because Blake Edwards, otherwise, he made some excellent movies. He made The Days of Wine and Roses, which is a, a real big cheer... cheer a real big tearjerker. He made SOB, which is one of the greatest uh, satires of the entertainment industry ever. He made Victor Victoria with Julie Andrews, which is another fantastic movie. But yet the sad thing is he kept trying to chase a franchise that, let's face it, no Peter Sellers, no Pink Panther movies. Now, there were the reboots, of course, with uh, Steve Martin, but those were a totally different thing. But in they terms were, of they were very enjoyable too. Yeah, they 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 were they were good for what they were. But I'm talking about uh, the uh, attempts at uh, doing the original Pink Panther continuity, 
without Peter Sellers. It was like it was doomed to failure. Like day one, they should have just stopped the franchise and just you know cut their losses instead of trying to chase uh, a hide they never were going to get. Mm. Yep. Now, with the cartoon The Pink Panther, uh, a new show called uh, Pink Panther and Friends came out in the early 2010s, and it was a lot more faithful to the original shorts. I watched some episodes, and they're pretty good. They're not bad. They're not bad. They're uh, clearly animated in Flash, which kind of a shame, because oh. it's a little bit cheaply done, but it definitely is a lot more faithful to the like original version of The Pink Panther than this. Unfortunately, it aired on Boomerang, so it didn't get a lot of viewership. It's all coming back to you. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. And there has been Boomerang had a about... bad show. Boomerang no, had a bad not show. At all. It's not at all. You know, I, I watched some episodes on YouTube, and it works. For what it is, it's funny, and it works. And one thing that is very funny is, apparently in the German version, they still kept the anteater as a female, they, and they had, you know, ah. a voice sounded like... They didn't change it. I love that. I love that. You know, they were like, you know, 40 years later, they are like, you know... 40, 50 years later, they're like, uh, should we fix our mistake from the dub? No, we're doing this the way we've always done it. Ron Megan, yeah, Ron Marimose. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. the shit post. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, apparently a reboot of the franchise that was going to have basically the animated Panther in it. It was going to be like a live-action animated hybrid. No Inspector Clouseau, apparently, so... Uh, I don't know how that would have been. There's been a reboot for it in the oh, yeah. works for like years now. Nothing has come of it. And to be honest, I don't know if anything will because it's been so long. It feels like it's like tied up in so much like development hell. Maybe it'll come out someday, but I'm not sure. And it's a shame because, again, this uh, was a pretty good uh, film series and it was a uh, you know pretty good cartoon series. And it seems in a way to have, you know, fallen by the wayside like a lot of them have, you know. I mean, granted, the passage of time, you know, that always happens. No one is asking for more like, you know, Farmer Gray cartoons or anything like that nowadays. No one's asking for more like, you know, Terry Tunes or Woody Woodpecker or that. With that being said, I do feel it's kind of a shame that there doesn't seem to be as much of an appreciation for the classics as there once was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it really is a shame. Unfortunately, yeah. And that brings us into our question of the week, which is, what classic characters do you want to see new adaptations of? Now, that... I'll go first, oh. and uh, I'll basically say, um, now that we know, you know what, what they could do, you know, they are fantastic animators and all, we have to get the Cuphead developers to do new version of Betty Boop. I mean, they, they, have, they are the closest that I have ever seen any animator in the modern day come remotely close to like the the greatness of like the Fleischer style. They have it down to a science. This is like almost incredible. It's like they were, you know, animators from the 30s that traveled into the future basically. That this really does feel like they took everything from the original style of the Max Fleischers. And I really would like to see them do something with Betty Boop who otherwise has been just a merchandising character for the past what, 50 years or so? Now, there was an attempt to make a Betty Boop movie in the 90s, but it kind of, uh, I guess, also fell into development hell. There's pictures of it online. It looks like it would have been great. That definitely copied from, you know, the original style of the shorts. They had Coco the Clown. They had Bimbo the Dog. They had basically, you know, none of the, you know, new characters like Grampy or that. They really, I think, were going to make this a good thing, but it fell by the wayside. Now, with that being said, if they were to make a new Betty Boop, 
I feel like the only way you could do it justice is if you kept it in the time period of the shorts. If you kept it basically in the 1930s with her being the character she is. Because that's the problem with some of these updates. You try to update these characters to the new day and it never really clicks. It always feels off. It feels like it doesn't, you know, that something is missing and something is wrong. It just has that feeling that basically it doesn't work. But yeah, that's my Man. answer for uh, what classic character is that I really hope make a comeback. You know, either her or Popeye, because, you know, judging from, you know, Cuphead and that, I've seen, you know, a lot of the bosses, you know, you have uh, Hilda, who basically is olive oil, and you have the uh, pirate captain, who who really is just, you know, Bluto as Bluto. Sinbad yeah. the Sailor from, you know, Popeye <laughs> versus yeah. Sinbad the Sailor. But, yeah, I really hope that they get to do something with the uh, Fleischer IP, because they deserve it. These guys are phenomenal, and... It would be such a missed opportunity if we don't get that. And uh, real quick, uh, a funny coincidence that you bring up the Betty Boop movie. Same studio that made this. Uh, that was actually going to be their first movie, and the, it just fell through, like you said, and the only movie they ever made was All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. Wow. Or at least the actual wow. Really? Damn. All Dogs Go to Heaven 2 was Ambulation. Wow. I didn't know it was this. Uh, yeah. No, that was, that was one. Uh, two was oh, MGM right. animation. Oh, right, right, I get it. Wow, that's a shame, because honestly, with that, with those screenshots, it looked like they really were going to give it their all with that, and real shame it fell through, because it could have been a really great project, though, that happens with a lot of animation studios, and we'll probably talk about one that kind of fell by the wayside when we do the uh, uh, We're Back, a Dinosaur Story episode, which will probably be out uh, sometime later this year. But yeah, no, that that is such a shame because that movie looked like good and it really looked like they were trying for it. It really looked like, you know, this was just like a kind of proof of concept that they could do animation, they could pull it off and whatnot. That, I feel like, really would have shown that they could do a style of an animation style that hasn't been popular in, let's face it, in many, many decades. And it really would have been great. So, uh, Angron, what would you have to say is your answer? This is where things get complicated what actually defines a classic character like in terms of like time frame like i know we have like popeye i know we have like bimbo i know we have like something uh along the lines of oswald i know oswald's getting a return sort of nice nice uh but yeah honestly i'm gonna have to go three ways on this one and they are all very 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 technical. The first one I kind of want to see back is Dragon Tales, because Dragon Tales, by all accounts, is a very classic show. It has classic characters, a classic premise, and hell, even, hell, I was not, I was more or less not exactly disappointed with the show. There were a few stinkers here and there, but I didn't hate them. Probably, I didn't really see that. Yeah, problem is, someone has already, uh, like, uh someone i am very much familiar with and uh am very much aware that uh they and i have a technical history but they themselves have certain ideas on how the show should be uh like rebooted how the characters should come back and i kind of I agree with most of it, but some of it I'm still a little technical on. 
it, I, it's complicated to explain. I'm not going to explain it here, but yeah, that's technicality number one. Number two, I kind of want to see the cast of the Wuzzles return. In particular, freaking, uh, what's your name? Oh, yeah. What, in, in particular, Hopopotamus, because oh, yeah. she is, because by all accounts, she is pretty much the multi character of that franchise. She is. She's the to- exactly. she's the token beauty. She's the aspiring character. She basically set. She basically is the mom of the. Uh, she's basically the technical mom of the group, if not Butterbear. Yeah. Like she does a lot. Hell, she even subverts the damsel in distress trope, even more so than something like say Dragon in Distress or even Muffy for the most part. Yeah, I can definitely Cause... say. But it's weird prob- that they didn't get anything with like the uh, DuckTales reboot because they brought back pretty much everything oh, yeah. from that time period, but I guess they forgot to I put those really characters in. They, they yeah. did, technically. We did get that in the form of an episode of DuckTales where uh, they, uh, where it was like a Darkwing Duck episode, but uh, it was like uh, them like fighting against time and or space for that matter. And apparently, there was a brief nod to the Wuzzles at that point. I really I did not like the the DuckTales reboot, to be honest. I mean, I understand why. The art style certainly did throw off a lot of people. It certainly didn't throw off me, since it... Honestly, I didn't really... like. The only thing that really threw it off for me was the colors, but even then, it honestly worked. The art worked, the story worked, the the characters certainly work. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I understand why you think that. But yeah, I, the only other... But yeah, back to Wuzzles. The technicality with that is revolves around Disney and Hasbro. So yeah, it's unlikely we're going to be getting those back. Right Number three, yeah. weirdly um, enough, is less about a company for the most part. And more about the potential. I uh, for for and this is basically going to be my pick overall for the uh, character that I want to see uh, get rebooted. I kind of want to see uh, Cool Cat from the uh, W Seven era make a return. Now, hear me out on this. I will admit the W Seven era is a very uncomfortable and rather dark period for looney tunes in general it's certainly it certainly probably had its moments here and there i'm not gonna lie but for the most part it was probably bad however cool cat in my eyes would work a lot better than the 90s uh freaking uh pink panther for several reasons one his voice for starters he would it would probably work better for him to speak rather than uh the pink panther he's i mean he's got a laid-back cool voice honestly i wouldn't be surprised if uh he would have essentially been like uh wb's answer to pink panther for the most part that being said however i also imagine that there's potential with cool cat like have him ha- go through like more more or less freaking uh uh similar adventures like uh similar similar trippy adventures in the same same vein as Sam and Max meets again Pink Panther 
but have him be like more laid back for the most part have him be like chill like he's cool cat for crying out loud he should be cool for lack of a better term how and i will admit that i i, I do also want to see some diversity i wanted to see, i want to see him struggle i want to see him get angry i want to see him like actually have personality on par with something like Daffy Duck, uh, frickin' Donald Duck, even. However, I also imagine him being, like, one of the more uh, laid-back, straight people, like, say, Nico Robin. Like, he's just there to have a good time, and he gets enjoyment out of seeing all this stuff. I I do want to see diversity with the, uh, I do want to see diversity with Cool Cat. I want to see him, like, you know, go through stuff. I just don't want him to be a static character. But I can also understand, uh, why that probably wouldn't happen. So, yeah, my pick is 100% going to be Cool Cat, because Cool Cat, in my eyes, is honestly a little, is the better of the, uh, W73 original characters for technically but five you want to get even more technical but yeah i i, I kind of want to see cool cat again i kind of want to see him at least get nodded or have an episode like uh of the looney tunes like ha- devoted to him and like a more smooth manner like let's see here there there's a short of uh freaking uh sugar bear from like the 90s where he's like super smooth super well animated it's like Oh man, it's really impressive to look. It's really smooth to look at. And honestly, a lot of ads from the 90s were kind of like that and it Yeah, I kind of want to see Cool Cat in that particular style. You know what I mean? Like I definitely update. can understand it because he's a character again, like you said, that has a lot of potential and he came at a time when I feel like, you know, WB as a whole, they were just kind of limping to the finish line with animation. Yeah. And famously with the WB, we'll probably talk about this in you know a later episode, but this going on uh, little taser. WB famously did not care about animation. Jack Warner allegedly never even watched the shorts before shipping them off to theaters and that. So it really yeah. does, like I said, feels like a missed opportunity for the character of Cool Cat. And again, I really you make a really good point there that it could be cool and, and interesting, you know, cool cool cat, haha. <laughs> it really could be neat to see him in, you know, a modern context and basically to yeah. take this almost forgotten character and kind of breathe life into it. A character that yeah. really was so obscure yeah. and you know for so many years just to be breathe life into him that would be really good i will say this though don't make him don't make him a carbon copy cutout of freaking bugs bunny because that was i feel because i get the i get the point for the most part i kind of feel like that was sort of the intention with cool cat he was sort of like a mix of bugs bunny meets daffy no not daffy duck pink panther but yeah i kind of wanted to be his own particular a particular character like sort of like pink panther-esque but a lot more uh laid back and a lot more fitting honestly like he would be a lot more fitting in like the scenario he would be in like he he would he would actually be allowed to speak unlike pink panther who works better with silent you know so no, exactly, yeah you're exactly right so yeah that's uh 100 cool cat for me Sorry for my long spiel. Whoever's no, no, next... by all means, by all means, we like listening to it. Believe me, yeah, there's no problem with it at all. No problem. Okay, no problem. that's that's nice to hear. All no right, all. Uh, who's so, next? Uh, uh, math. 
Okay, uh, real quick before I actually get to my answer. Uh, when you were saying, oh, nobody wants to, to see uh, more Woody Woodpecker, just in my head, uh, it was going Hans moment. I want to see more Woody Woodpecker. I, I didn't mean that as a negative thing. I didn't mean that as a negative thing. No, no. I, I just had to, yeah. But, I didn't mean like that. Yeah, yeah, Sorry about that. Sorry about that, But uh, my answer, I said this in an earlier episode, Gargoyles. We need yeah. more Gargoyles. That was a great oh, yeah. series back I in the day. Yeah. This has been relegated to the dustbin since. Uh, yeah. The way that you would bring it back is keep it in that 90s retro future tech uh all uh, the Alien series, and just mm. continue how it was. Uh, update the animation style if you have to. Uh, bring back as much of the old uh, voice cast as you can. Just there's so much potential for a great action series, and it's just sitting there collecting dust. I'm yeah, amazed nothing's been okay. done with it. Honestly, I kind of agree. I kind of want to see Mighty Ducks make a return. Like more or less, yeah, it has too. some cookie cutter elements, but. It honestly looked very unique. It honestly looks very interesting. Like, it, like Gargoyle certainly uh, went in depth and whatnot. And I understand why it's a little why Mighty Ducks was a little bit of a uh, touchy thing. But come on, it's freaking it's freaking Turtle Mania, but with ducks. It's all and honestly, for what they do, it's pretty interesting. I mean, they got freaking Tim Curry for crying out loud. Always a good point. Yeah. So yeah, yeah he's just got... like do something with gargoyles. That's all I'm asking. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, do something no, with no, Mighty Ducks too. Like it's good. It's it it's actually has merit, man. Like it's not absolute horseshit. I saw I saw a trailer for it in fr- on a freaking VHS in school. It looked amazing. Years later, saw it. It was awesome. I I well okay, not awesome, but it was really entertaining. I liked it. Man, well, I'm nostalgic for Mighty Ducks and Tanya. Nothing wrong with that. So, uh, um, Striker, what would you have to say? Uh, one real quick thing that I noticed. Um, yes. Amblimation actually made three films. Oh. Uh, which was Bible Amer- Goes West, uh, Bible Goes We're West. Back, and Balto. Yeah, mm. and then. Later on, uh, they were rebranded as DreamWorks Animation. What? What? Okay, I did not know that. Wow, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense because Steven Spielberg's involvement in Ambulation, but wow. Wow, I, I thought that, you know, they started off as, you know, Pacific Digital <laughs> Imaging. I did not know they started out as Ambulation. That That is incredible. Wow. That is that awesome. Is- They're responsible for most of Balto and like a bunch of other stuff. Just wow. Yeah, Honestly, that kind of makes sense for the most part. Wreck even. Rebranded wow. is a little bit wrong. It, well, the studio no, closed not and then they went to form DreamWorks. That's yeah, I uh, think yeah, I, I think that. That. Exactly that. But yeah. still. They all the employees went on to make uh, DreamWorks animation. Sorry, yeah. I, I, I misspoke. No, nice. no problem at all. Nice, Sorry. Nice. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. Very yeah. neat. So, uh, what would the character you would like to see make a comeback be? That's hard to think about because, like, there's so many uh, different series that I enjoyed from when I was a kid. Mm, um, that is pretty tricky. 
Yeah, but then I thought about uh, different other, um, like, like older series, like anime. Mmm. Ooh, nice. I did too, not gonna lie. And while, yes, they did a re- uh, reboot film based on it with, uh, well, you probably already know uh, which movie I'm talking about with uh, Freddie Highmore and Nick Cage. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see a reboot of uh, Astro Boy. Oh, yeah. I actually yeah, liked the movie. Yeah. It wasn't, that it wasn't too campy. That. It wasn't too, like, pop culture and whatnot. It, it honestly it honestly felt like a comfortable, like, uh, reintroduction to Astro Boy. And I kind of want to see more of Astro Boy, too. Definitely, definitely. That That's a character that I am really shocked is not as popular as he is, especially for how... I mean, come on, it, you know, it's Tezuka. How, how do you not, you know? Like, like honestly, the only thing kind of holding it back would kind of be the original source material, which was a different time, admittedly. Yeah, and also, like, it's Japan, don't question it. Like, seriously, they yeah, had an image yeah. of, like, him getting his butt pumped with oil. I yeah, shit you yeah, not. Japan, it's Japan. It's what Japan. Do don't question it. Yeah, That's all I can say. Don't, don't question it. Don't think about it. It it was different. It's a different um. Time. It's a different co- country. Different morals. All that. Yeah. Like, they have yeah, a festival like that separates 50s, that celebrates dong for yeah. crying out loud. That represent yeah, like rebirth yeah. or something like. So honestly, yeah. I'm I'm not too surprised that they did that. But still, it's just yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that just leaves uh, Lucky Evie. What would you have to say? Honestly, and then Eddie. Mm. And Eddie. That's one of my favorite. That was one of my favorites growing up. Same. 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 I, I, I feel I, like though a reboot. I, I'm not you know saying you know anything's wrong, but I'm just saying I feel like a reboot for them wouldn't really work because I feel like for that it kind I, of wraps I'd say, it up more, I'd it. say a sequel series more more than yeah that. A sequel oh, series like yeah, that I could see justice. Like, yeah, yeah, not like a reboot or anything, but like a a continuation that would be more than perfectly fine. Yeah, continue it for the movie and there's a series. Oh hell yeah! Okay. Would not mind would seeing them as adults, to be honest. No, uh, no, no, I like those. I've YouTube seen a few fan that. projects that uh, actually had them like legit teenagers, which I've I seen those too on YouTube. See. They're they're really well done. So and now it is time. Oh, sorry. And uh, modern Ed and Eddie would work because their style of humor actually is kind of what's popular right now. Oh, definitely, definitely. They could really oh, yeah. you know capitalize on this. Just keep it the same, and it'll be even more popular than exactly the than it was even in the '90s and 2000s. Hell yeah! Yep. So now it is time for the uh, patent pending a dragonous scale. Yeah. And we are going to rank, of course, Muffy today. I am going to give her probably a. I'm I'm really thinking hard here. You know, after you know consideration, I am probably going to give her a eight out of ten. That that seems low, and I really enjoy her design. I enjoy, you know, the characterization with her. Of course, the ending, you know, is a definitely big boost for why she gets those points. The voice, too. But I feel like for the, a lot of it, she's not really in the episode as much. I grant yeah. you, she is the focal point, and, you know, of course, she, she does have a lot of good screen time and a lot of good parts, like, again, with the boxing ring and that. Mm-hmm. But as an overall whole, I kind of feel 
like uh, she doesn't, she didn't really have as big of a part as she could. Now, with that being said, she has a fantastic design. I like the voice. I like the basically, you know, idea of her, the transformation, of course, the shape and all of it. It all comes together to make a really great character. But again, if she had just a little bit more screen time, we probably would be looking at a nine out of ten. Yeah, I, so, I agree on that. I am going to have to be a little harsher. Okay. Uh, it might change, but for now, I'll say a six out of ten. Set Ooh. of a generous seven out, a generous seven out of ten. Uh, just again for being generous, but okay. we'll get to that in a moment. I personality-wise, she doesn't seem like a royal brat. The only reason she's well bratty for the most part is because she has a freaking uh, sneezing fit and like it's getting in the way of her finding a suitable knight and whatnot and honestly uh, like I, I i very much understand that but otherwise like her initial like first impression was not terrible but it's kind of middle of the road she gets uh, she gets a little better come her being a dragon like she gets because like she gets very much angry at the fact that she became a dragon, and the fact that she uh, ultimately just goes on a rampage for it, and the fact that it just pretty much devolves into a uh, freaking uh, cartoon is just very It's just very much uh, interesting. I do. I will say though, I very much like how uh, it all wrapped up very nicely for her. Like she didn't come. Like she later came across as someone who like wasn't like exactly. Uh, let me think here. Who wasn't exactly like uh, snobbish or anything, but uh, uh, and she very much uh, came across as a uh, someone who just wanted something to get uh, out of her way. Like a par- like you know, that's another thing that's very weird. Like throughout the thing, she like sneezes, but then like immediately when like uh, the Pink Panther throws the magic powder at the group and everyone turns into dragons, she's like, "Hey, I'm cured!" Like. Could she have been allergic to other people? Maybe that's that's very good, weird. Good point. I never, I never gonna... thought of that before. That's actually a good point. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming but from. But yeah, it wraps up. Yeah, but again, because it wraps up very nicely, and because she herself wraps up very nicely, she becomes uh, a lot better of a character. To be honest, like she started off okay initially, but she gradually got a little better and like leaned into the madness a little bit. So. You know what? Yeah, I think I'm gonna do seven out of ten. She's not perfect by any means, but she's de- she's definitely one of those cases where she gets gradually better the more you watch it. Okay, uh, Evie. Uh, Lucky uh, Evie. Uh, yep, you there? Yeah. Uh, oh, what, what score would you give uh, Muffy? Uh, five out of ten. Okay. Huh. It's Any it's a weird reason? antenna. I see. Yeah, I, I can see. Uh, I, I can see. It. It's definitely a unique part of it. I can see why that could be off-putting for some people. So, uh, Striker? I've given her a 9 out of 10. Ooh, nice. Okay. Because, like, I just... It, I don't know. Something about it just reminded me of a lot of things that I saw from when I was a kid. And I just... I loved it. Oh, I no, loved no, by all means. I definitely can see why, you know. 
It was nostalgic. It was just, it was uh, the character, the voice, the design. It just felt like something I saw when I was a kid. It was good. No, it definitely is. Definitely, definitely. I can really see that. So, uh, Math Machine, what would you have to give her? Unfortunately, I gotta go six. Just okay. The the design, just the well, uh, most of the design I'm fine with. It's it's the face that throws me. Uh, the giant eyelashes, the the furrowed brow, and it looks kind of like she has a monobrow in a lot of shots. Just it, it just does not click with me, and. I just do not like the character that much in general. Like Angron says, as the short goes on, she actually does get better. And the last couple minutes, I actually do like her. And they they seem to have changed her design a little in that last couple minutes. And it looks fine then. But for the majority of the short, I just do not care for it that much. All right. So, yep, that about wraps it up for this uh, episode of Fiery Discourse. If you have any questions or if you want to discuss other classic cartoon characters or reboots as such, you can feel free to email us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com or wait, follow wait. us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash FieryDiscourse. Uh, did Stryker give his uh, thing? Or, yeah, or no? did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did. never mind. <laughs> no, All no right. problem. Sorry, sorry. So, so everyone uh, gave their thing? Yeah, everyone did. Perfect. All right. Later, Um, y'all. Yep. Next time, we're going to be talking about the 1961 uh, British kaiju movie, Gorgo. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch and, you know, to see that kind of movie, to see a different kind of a giant monster movie. Definitely be fun to talk about. Oh, yeah. So, until then, thank you guys so much for watching. And until next week, take care. Peace. Adios. Peace out. Yep.